How would it feel to have a thriving fitness business and have the freedom to enjoy life at the fullest? Well, that is exactly what the Trainer Revenue Multiplier Show is going to give you. My name is Matthew Park. This is Amy Filer. Hey, guys. And we are here to serve. Welcome to the Trainer Revenue Multiplier Show. As always, I am Jamie Filer, co-host of the TRM Podcast, and I'm excited to be here with you today with one of my favorite people to hang out with, favorite people to coach, favorite people to be in a TRM breakout room with. Amanda, how do you pronounce your last name? Voisin. Voisin. It is French. People always try to go voisin, but it's Yes, that is 100%. I would have butchered it. Absolutely butchered it. Um, Amanda, before we like talk about how to build out and structure your SOPs, why don't you tell us a little bit about your business model? Because you're unique in your hybrid approach. Yeah. Um, so I own a private studio in Waterloo, Ontario. It is a one-on-one coaching only facility. So we do private personal training and I also offer online coaching. So I have, um, I own the studio myself and train clients myself, obviously, but I also have a coach working under me. Um, and then I have an admin assistant as well, helping me behind the scenes. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I guess that brings us to today's topic is essentially how to structure, build out, formulate your first standard operating procedure, which from now on we will refer to as an SOP because it's just a lot faster. So when did you know, first and foremost, Amanda, that it was time for you to hire someone new? So I, I'm super grateful to have grown a ton this past year, two years. Uh, it's been fast, right? And when I opened my studio, the growth became even faster because it's, you know, a great private exclusive atmosphere, really personalized. It's a beautiful space. So I was finding when I was doing consultations with people who were inquiring about coaching, I was over and over again, coming across situations where like, I would love to help them. I would love to work with them, but I can't fill them in any particular spot. Like the time they needed would not work. My evenings are booked. My mornings are booked. Um, middays booked half the time as well. So I was getting to the point where I was having to actually put people on wait lists and say, you know, I'll reach out to you when something opens up. And, you know, that was the time when it, I really thought, you know, okay, we got to hire a coach. I've got to have someone else that I can offer services to when this scenario happens. So that was kind of like the light bulb moment for me. So I want to, catch you on that because your assistant coach wasn't the first person you hired. Yes. Okay. So tell us, take us back even further. It's amazing. You've grown too many people need an, an assistant coach, but what happened before that? Mm-hmm. So the first thing, and I realized this quite largely through TRM and Jamie and Matthew. So you guys need a shout out there. Um, but my systems and my back end, um, there were a lot of things there that were not necessarily high leverage tasks that were taking up a lot of time. So like, you know, posting on multiple social media accounts, planning multiple social media accounts, uh, Facebook group for clients, I would never be able to manage that with just me without help, right? Even simple things like email, new client inquiries coming in, client startups when someone signs on, 
all of those things were just so time consuming and I didn't have time then to grow. I was constantly in my business versus working on my business, yeah. as you guys would say. Yep. Yep. Um, so guys, that's really important to note is that Amanda recognized the difference between low and high leverage activity. And I'm so glad you used that phrase specifically, but also that how many low leverage tasks she was doing created a bottleneck in her business that essentially disabled her from growing. And it's so important to differentiate between in your business and on your business. If you're too busy answering emails about how much do you charge and when can I come in for a consult, then you have no time to do outreach. What would you consider a high leverage task? Like, What did you find that you weren't having time for that could have made you more money at the beginning? It was kind of a combination, right? Like I was limited in how many clients I could take on in online yep. coaching, especially yep. and personal training for that matter, because I was spending hours in my day doing back-end work, like, you know, emails, making social media templates and making it look fancy, right? When in reality, those things are super important, but it's not going to bring me in income per se, like right. being in person with a client on the gym floor would be, right? Okay. Super important to differentiate, guys. What is making you money right now? And what will make you money in a little bit? That's one of the ways we can choose what to offboard to the first person we hire, right? Nobody can train clients the way Amanda trains clients. Nobody has her personality. Nobody has her passion. Um, so that's what she wants to be focusing on. Now, creating the social media content is one thing. Actually doing the physical posting is completely another. Why would Amanda... I don't want to say waste her time, but why would Amanda spend her time posting the post when she could just be focusing on making the post and adding her personality where needed in person? Yeah. And okay. I should note as well, there were certain things that I'd wanted to do for ages and I wanted to add to my business that I knew would be amazing for clients that I hadn't done because I literally just didn't have the time. What is um, an example of that? Facebook grew. Like hey, I now okay. have an exclusive private Facebook group for clients and there's regular motivational posts in there and informational resources and interaction and content. And, you know, before there's no way I would have had time to, to create that and then be consistent with it. So now that I have a phenomenal admin assistant, I'm able to keep all of those things up and running. We're able to keep all those things up and running and I don't have to stress during a client session because I have like two Facebook posts and two IG posts to do like on my half hour gap, you know? Isn't that so important to note? Because as CEOs of our own businesses and on, on, as entrepreneurs, there's no doubt that our attention is split. Even if we're not actually multitasking, I'm I'm 90% in the session with my client, but I'm I'm 10% in how is my last reel doing and will it bring any new leads? right? That's just yeah. how we have to think. Um, so I think that's awesome that you addressed it. Now, let's go back to your first hire ever, the admin assistant. Before you hired her on, when you realized you need her, did you create an SOP before or did you create one as she was like uh, shuffling her way through the position? Where did the SOP come in for her? So for her, and looking back, I would suggest creating an 
SOP distinctly before even an admin assistant. Mm -hmm. Um, In her case, you know, I'm learning as I go as a business owner myself. I, I had certain structures and templates in place for her, but I didn't call it an SOP. Right. So I had like certain expectations for her outlined. She knew what was expected of different things. I had her role outlined, certain templates set up. We have like a weekly planner for her. Like there's a lot of different tools, but like I said, I didn't label it as an SOP and it wasn't one concise manual. It was separate resources. Right. Okay. So when did you decide that it needed to be formalized? when I was bringing on an assistant coach, my first coach aside from me. So that's when you said, okay, wait, I can't keep assigning Nina, all of these random tasks and general guidelines. She Mm -hmm. needs a nice, neat PDF, right? Yes. And I wanted to have it set up before she started. Um, because then her, her onboarding process, her training process before, you know, she starts taking on clients becomes, so obvious, so concise, so laid out. Each onboarding day, we cover a set chunk of the SOP, which is literally in a a branded purple binder. (laughs) So it's just so professional. And it, it covers everything from, you know, how to market properly to, you know, who's responsible for what with accounting to how to nurture a client and help them truly thrive and grow through your coaching. Okay, you jumped ahead. Give me a second here. I know, I know because you guys, Amanda's SOP is 40 pages. I've seen it. There's a color scheme. It's, it's a lot. Uh, She goes, but this is, this is the beauty of her having hired the admin assistant to take on Mm -hmm. something, low leverage tasks to her creating the SOP became a high leverage task. Why? Because this assistant coach isn't going to, it might be her first, but it definitely won't be her last. Right. Mm -hmm. And the last thing you want is a company culture that starts with Amanda. And then there's a second tier of like her first group of assistant coaches. And then the next one down becomes completely diluted because Mm -hmm. now at that, that third generation of assistant coaches, they're just kind of doing what they want. Right. They know that like, you know, they obviously have to respect Amanda and they have to pay their due, their bills on time. But like beyond that, there's nothing about culture. And that's essentially what I believe an SOP does is it sets the standard for the culture of your business. A hundred percent. And it, it makes sure everyone is equal value, right? Oh, I like that. Yes. How so? Explain that. So I, you know, in order to, as I continue to grow and scale, right. Um, Price point for clients across the board is going to be the same. It should be the same, right? That said, I want to always make sure they're getting phenomenal value and phenomenal service, whether they're working with me or my first coach or my second or my third. I want AJF to be the brand and we're all pieces of the brand on the same team. So having an SOP, making sure everything is outlined, you know, mission statement, seed language, marketing, um, client onboarding process, I want it all to be streamlined. So it's the quality isn't lost from one coach to the next. Someone can come in and do a consult with me and I could put her with someone else and the quality would be equal. Yeah. Okay. So I believe when we, when you and I were coaching and we first started talking about the SOP, we said that 
whether you get a Big Mac in Clearwater, Florida, or Waterloo, Ontario, or somewhere in Israel, your mm -hmm. Big Mac will taste the same. It will come out of the conveyor belt being made the same way. That is essentially an SOP broken down to its most basic metaphor. It's it's a Big Mac, right? I like that. The other thing that's really helpful about it is, as you know, as personal trainers, right, maybe not as a CEO, but back when we were all like ground level personal trainers working at Crunch, working at Good Life, um, the turnover is high. Mm -hmm. Okay, Some people are only in it for their four years of college and then they go out and do their own thing. Or some people are only in it while they're figuring out what it is they want to do for a career and then they're out. Mm -hmm. So what happens to you? You feel like, holy crap, I just wasted three weeks and, and 24 hours of my life training this person only to have them leave. But guys, mm -hmm. with a 40 page SOP binder you are not wasting any time training because the training manual, that's essentially what an SOP is. It's a training manual is given to the employee or the contractor and you don't have to waste any time. If they leave, they leave. That's fine. You give the binder to the next person. Mm -hmm. Right. A hundred percent. And it makes it really, really consistent from one coach to the next. So if yeah. I bring on another coach after this one, I'm going to train her the exact same way. And I'm going to know I am because I'm literally following the guide I created for myself. Yep. And it leaves less questions on the table from mm. you to them, but also from them to you. Pretty much everything they need to know about how team AJF runs is in that binder. A hundred percent. And I find like, you know, her, my coach's first onboarding day was yesterday. Right. And it, it gets them excited too. Like it's exciting to go through. And, you know, yesterday we covered like mission statement, culture of AJF, right? Like it, and we realize as we're going, like she, you know, she identifies with it too. Her values align, which is why I chose her. Okay. Yes. But it's a phenomenal way to start because it makes the coach feel super confident then in the service they're giving. It makes them feel really confident in knowing exactly how to approach things it's just like, it's crystal clear. So there's no second guessing. And then in consults, she's going to be confident as well because she's confident in the process and she knows it like the back of her hand. I was just going to say that, right? Like if we were given Ikea furniture without the directions, just the furniture and the Allen key, you'd be like, okay, I mean, I'm sure I could figure this out eventually, but it's so much easier and more efficient to build Ikea furniture when you know like where slots A, B, and C are, right? hundred percent. I'm horrible with construction to begin with, so. <laughs> okay, but you're fantastic with SOPs, which yep. is why you're on here. Um, <laughs> okay, so again, going back to it, your SOP is insane, but mm -hmm. for someone just hiring their first person, or rather they haven't hired their first person, but they're listening to their podcast and they realize that before they hire their person, they should probably get their SOP in order. What would mm -hmm. you say the three or four most integral pieces of an SOP are? So, and this is obviously the first SOP I've ever made, right? right. Hopefully the only, or one of the only. Um, it, yeah. So when I was like first sitting down to make it, right, it seems like a really overwhelming task. Um, I'll be honest, I procrastinated for a little bit because it I knew it was going to take ages. Yeah. And it feels overwhelming, right? But what I did to start to kind of break it down is I started 
just by writing down a list of everything I would want in it based on headings, right? Like social media was something, marketing was something, um, seed language of AJS, what it means, that was something, consultation process and follow-up process, those were things. So I kind of created a table of contents, really Brilliant. is what I was okay. doing. Yep. Um, but I started just by brainstorming. If I was a brand new coach coming into this studio, what will I need to know how to do? Yeah. Like start to finish in the client coaching process. What does that look like to begin marketing? Because you're generating leads to begin with from right. there consultation process. Cause you're explaining what you do and getting them in your door from there, you follow up. Right. So I kind of went through the timeline logically and then that timeline becomes your SOP yeah. and you just have to elaborate on each of those topics. That's yeah. So you bring up a good point. You procrastinated because you did realize that it was going to be a lot of work on the back end, right? But for those people listening, guys, remember that everything you're about to write down, you've already done. Mm -hmm. It's not like you're creating a new something, something, unless you don't have seed language or USP yet. That's, that's fine. Separately. There's definitely a podcast on that. But um, when you take, let's say a payment, Amanda, right? Mm -hmm. Immediately go to your computer guys and write down how it is you take payments. Is it through Stripe, uh, recurring invoices? Is it through PayPal, recurring invoices? Um, how, right? And then you go, and then how do you start to write out your programs? And you're like, well, they signed on for six months. So let's work backwards from six months, right? Mm -hmm. And then that becomes how you structure a, a client's program for three, six or 12 months. So Everything in your SOP is something you have already done or are already doing. That should take some of the pressure and stress off. And I found breaking it up into pieces was super yeah. helpful, right? Yeah. Because if you think of like this giant thing, you know, the whole process of coaching. Yeah, it seems overwhelming as heck, right? Mm -hmm. But if you break it up, like, for example, this week, I'm only going to write out my consultation process. I'm okay. only going to write out literally the dialogue in my console and the steps I do. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Next week, I'm only going to write out what I do after. How do I follow up? Right. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Next week, how social media, I'm only going to talk about my Instagram and how I market and how I post. And then, you know, if you, if you target one piece of the puzzle at a time for a few weeks in a row, before you know it, put them together you've got an SOP, right? Yes. Um, yep. I think I was really overthinking it at first too. Like, I don't know, you probably remember, but the first time I showed Jamie and Matthew my my SOP as I was beginning, um, I was making things in Canva, doing really fancy graphics on every page. I didn't have nearly enough content, like writing. Yeah. I was just thinking it had to be really aesthetic and <laughs> totally overshooting the mark. Um, it doesn't have to be fancy. It can literally just be a typed page. Yeah. Worry about that first and format it later. Add fancy yeah. things later, right? That's brilliant, right? Well, yeah, worry about the content first, aesthetic later. Yeah. Um, the other thing to consider regarding content is, I know, again, a lot of CEOs and entrepreneurs, we like things the way we like things, right? We like people to do things our way. That's why we started a company. Um, however... It's called personal training for a reason. 
Your SOP has to be just specific enough that it's, you know, everyone recognizes that's the AJF way. However, you hired this person for a reason. It was for their personality. So mm -hmm. going too overboard in terms of micromanaging with your SOP and literally scripting out everything takes away the personal part of personal training, right? A hundred percent. Like consults are a great example for that, right? If I were to write out a script from start to finish for exactly what every coach needs to say in a consultation, number one, it's probably going to come off fake. Yeah. Number two, they're probably going to feel uncomfortable because it might not be exactly how they would say something, right? Yeah. So like in my own consultation process, I've got a lot of detail in there, but it's not a script. I have like key questions. Sure. I want them to incorporate, but it's not going to look the exact same as I do it versus another coach versus another. Cause I want them to be able to showcase their personality too. Yeah. And bringing it back to TRM, right? When we teach you guys how to sell without being salesy, we do the same thing. Mm -hmm. We give you kind of guideline questions and we give you strategies for overcoming objections, but we don't sell TRM as like, Hey, come buy our $10,000 sales script. Because that takes away, again, going back to it, the personal part of personal training. You can't tell someone what to, like, right? We're not telemarketers. This isn't, that's yeah. not how this business works. And it comes off way more, way less genuine. Yeah. If, like, you can tell when someone's got something memorized and they're yeah. just repeating what they've been taught. Right. They sound like a, they sound like a robot. They sound like a, a yeah. telemarketer. Yeah, 100%. Uh, and I'll say, you know, when I, back in the day when I worked at a corporate gym before starting AJF, I, we had a script. That's how we were taught. It was memorize this, insert clients or person's name here, insert their goals here. And I hated consults because I always right. felt so fake, so uncomfortable. I always forgot like sentence three on the page. Right. But when I started just not following the script and doing my own thing, I started closing like every consult because I could showcase my passion and my personality. Right. Right. So guys have an SOP that is, I guess, just formalized enough, but doesn't take away the autonomy or the personality from the person, because then they're also going to feel like you're a taskmaster or a boss rather than, you know, well, you are a boss, but I would say more of like a higher up colleague, right? A colleague with more authority. Yeah. You don't, I don't um, want to come up to someone micromanaging. Right. hundred percent. Yes. Um, all right. So I'm trying, give me the two most valuable, I would say lessons you have mm -hmm. learned in both the creation and the implementation process for your admin assistant and your assistant coach. Okay. For admin assistant, in hindsight, I would create an SOP for her first, okay. 100%. Um, at least a little bit more clear-cut structure yeah. in one concise package. Right. I would also not procrastinate, right? Writing the SOP. I find, yeah. you know, once you dive into something and you start the process, things start to come together. It's totally. often the buildup to it and, you know, how large something seems in your head that is the biggest hurdle to overcome. It's like when we bring on a client, when we're coaching them, they think of their 50 pound weight loss goal and they're going to be like, oh my God, this is so huge. I'm never going to be able to do it. 
if you hand them a ton of things at once and say, okay, completely revamp your nutrition, you're going to, you know, do cardio four days a week, work out with me three days a week. Yeah. You know, don't eat out. They're going to be like, oh my God, I can't do this. And they're not going to make any progress. Yeah. Same thing with an SOP. If you think of the huge picture and let that overwhelm you, it's not going to get done. But if you break it down, just like you would with a coaching a client, just peck away at one piece at a time mm-hmm. and you'll move forward. And it's going to pay off massively once you're done. I yes, it will. That. Because again, once you create it, the only thing you have to do after that is modify it or edit it mm-hmm. or whatever. You never have to actually create it again. Yeah. And that's the thing too, is you can edit it. Like I'm sure I'm going to learn things through the process of onboarding my first coach where I think, okay, maybe I should tweak that or I should add this in here. That's fine. Right. It's a learning process. But if you have your base structure nailed, if the key elements are in place, then you're going to be golden. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing about procrastinating on it is that the longer you procrastinate making your SOP, the more you'll procrastinate hiring a coach because you'll be like, oh my God, I don't have any systems in place. Like, what am I going to tell them when I hire them? Uh, Post on Instagram twice a week. No. So do it guys, you know, similar to creating a database or purchasing a CRM, do it before you need it because you don't want to have to do it after. Yeah. And then it's less work for you in the moment, right? Like it's much less stressful onboarding someone when you know exactly what you're doing tomorrow. That's it. That's it. Mm -hmm. Amanda, thank you so much for being with us today live so early in the morning. Appreciate you. Appreciate your gold nuggets about, you know, how you essentially built out and hired your team, how you're training them. You know, your, your growth has just been so rewarding and amazing to watch. Thanks. I super appreciate the opportunity. Honestly, um, when I get home, my fiance is probably going to say my head's getting way too big because <laughs> I'm just getting hyped up. <laughs> through everyone. That's a good thing, though. That's a good thing. Yeah. Good. Well, um, guys, if you amazing. found today's uh, if you found value in today's episode, please share it on your Instagram and Facebook. Be sure to tag. Is it at Amanda Jean Fit? Yeah. Amanda Jean Fit with an underscore on the end. There you go. At GM91, at Trainer Revenue Multiplier. We are also on all the major podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. Um, So be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Also be sure to catch us live every week on the Trainer Revenue Multiplier Facebook page. Amanda, thank you again so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast. I've been awake for a few hours, as you can probably tell. So this is just a great Another kickstart to the day. Love it. Well, I hope you have fun training your assistant coach and we will talk soon. Sounds great. Thanks so much.